Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Glad to have you with us and great to be back after a uh, fun couple of days of enjoying family and friends. I hope you were doing the same thing. And now kind of back at it in the sort of normal daily grind of getting ready to see these Georgia Bulldogs play for one final time here in the 2023 season uh, against the Florida State Seminoles there on Saturday. And I think one of the themes of today's show is going to be the contrast between what we think might be true about Florida State and what we think might be true about Georgia to get ready for this game. Now, I think part of the reason why it seems like there are some differences between Georgia and Florida State right now is the way in which Georgia is talking about this game in comparison to what Florida State is uh, sort of saying about the game. In the case of Florida State, a lot of their top players have been kind of high-profile opt-outs, whether it be top receivers like Johnny Wilson and uh, Keon Coleman, you know, not just Jordan Travis injury, but the backup quarterback. He's, you know, Tate Rodemaker opting out of this game. You know, when you look at the overall numbers here, you get the impression that Florida State's likely to be without, what, seven, eight, nine of its top players? perhaps as many as 20 players overall. It sort of feels like this is an incredibly depleted roster for Florida State going into the Orange Bowl on Saturday. By comparison, it seems less so for Georgia. But in reality, I think it's important to know that the actual impact on the field of who is and isn't playing for both Georgia and Florida State might not actually end up being quite as different as you might think. In other words, if so-and-so for Florida State's not playing because he's officially opting out and puts out the social media edit, the graphic, things like that, and a Georgia player doesn't play because he's legitimately injured and banged up, the feel about why those two players are missing the game seems completely different. But the actual impact on the field during the game perhaps is not quite as different as maybe it it, it seems. In other words, I think the perception out there right now is that Florida State's at far less of a kind of full-strength situation than perhaps George is. But in reality, what we actually see you know, from Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday, I don't know that it quite looks that way to the same degree that some Georgia fans think that it does. But it's probably to Georgia's credit that it seems the way that it does. Because I think one of the things that you see from Georgia going into this game where I do not think you can sugarcoat this. This is obviously just as big a disappointment for Georgia as it is for Florida State. Not playing in the college football playoff, you know, not playing with the spotlight of the sport on you the way that Washington and Texas will have, the way that Alabama and Michigan will have. Georgia not having that after have had have having that the last couple of years is of course incredibly disappointing. But when you listen to the way that Georgia talks about this, I think you get the sense of kind of what makes Georgia, Georgia. Their preparations are just as challenged as Florida State's are or just as challenged as any teams would perhaps be playing in a so-called, air quotes here, meaningless bowl game. But, but Georgia has a way of going about its preparation for all of this that also, I think, sort of sets it apart and kind of demonstrates it to be distinctly different than a lot of its you know top competition. I'm going to be corny here for a second. Now, some of you would say that I'm corny all the time, but I'm going to be particularly corny about this. There's a phrase, a saying you may have heard in the past, and I know this seems like sort of positive thinking mumbo jumbo, but nonetheless, you may have heard it said that what you think about, you speak about, what you speak about, you bring about. <laughs> I realize that's kind of a corny thing, but in the case of Georgia, I was thinking about that a moment ago because as I'm standing here, we're at the kind of the media headquarters hotel. We're technically in Fort Lauderdale. It just sort of sounds better to say Miami, but the team headquarters, or I should say the media headquarters, is actually in Fort Lauderdale. But a couple of minutes ago, here from the from the sort of media headquarters hotel, you had some Georgia players showing up. You had some Georgia coaches showing up. And it's amazing to me how much every person I had a chance to talk to or every person I had a chance to hear from, they were all very careful to make sure they used words that kept the focus on whatever's happening on this particular game. You talked to Kendall Milton a moment ago, and Kendall was, ter- and we'll play some of this for you tomorrow, but Kendall was terrific about reflecting on what his Georgia career has been and the memories that he's had and the fact that for a lot of us it kind of goes by so fast. But when it comes to, okay, well, how about next for you? Are you coming back? Are you going to the NFL? Uh, you know, Kendall was very careful to say, I don't want any attention on that right now because that takes attention off what our team's trying to do against Florida State. Marcus Rosemey Jackson had a chance to talk to him a moment ago. That was very much the same kind of way. 
I don't want to take any of the attention off this game. I've got decisions. I've got perhaps some announcements to make. We'll do that at a later time. For now, this is about what our team's trying to do against Florida State. Even hearing from Mike Bobo a moment ago, and if you go to the Dog Nation YouTube page, you can sort of see the full conversation that took place with Coach Bobo today. But Bobo, very much the same way. And there's a lot of curiosity among media types about, you know, tell us about uh, Trevor Etienne coming to the program, things like that. Bobo once again saying, I want to keep the focus on the guys who are here. Georgia choosing to speak about the Orange Bowl in a way that makes the game feel big, and perhaps speaking about the game in that way really does impact the overall performance for Georgia there as well. Hard not to notice that when you heard from some of these Georgia coaches and players today. You can see a lot of that yourself here on the Dog Nation YouTube page, and we'll obviously have some of this for you on the show tomorrow. As far as uh, kind of continuing this conversation, though, let's go back to a couple of days ago. This is when Georgia coach Kirby Smart first arrived to uh, Miami here in South Florida in terms of the overall conversation about, well, who's playing and who's not playing, and do you have opt-outs, do you have these things? And, you know, Smart was able to talk about at the time about exactly what Georgia's level of focus has been, what the overall practice situation for Georgia has been like, and just how much of a full roster Georgia will have for this game, whether it be opt-outs or injuries or whatever you want to call them. And, in fact, as a way of keeping this going, let me let you see this and hear this. This is Georgia coach Kirby Smart from the team arrival a couple of days ago right here in South Florida in terms of preparations of the Orange Bowl. Here's Kirby Smart. Right now we've got our guys that are healthy playing, guys that are completely healthy and clear to play. They've all said they're going to play. They've been practicing, doing everything. We do have guys dinged up and injured that have been trying to fight their way back, but we'll see if they can go or not for the game. When you look at this team, would you prepare for them with what they have on paper, knowing who would play, who might not play Kirby? What, what do you, is it or just about you and getting better, taking advantage of these extra practices? Yeah, we, we've taken the approach that, I mean, it's not about them, it's about us. And uh, we don't really know. It doesn't matter to us because we're trying to play to our standard. We're always trying to play to our standard. We've had a lot more good on good in practices. It's probably been the best bowl practices in terms of not going against a scout team and going against each other. Because when you don't know 100% what you're going to see, you're better off going against really good people. So we've done a lot of ones on ones, twos on twos, and probably have gotten more threes on threes than we ever have because we got good depth with the uh, 9, 10, 11, I don't know how many it is, mid-years that are there now. So we've been able to get a lot of depth in. I love that from Georgia coach Kirby Smart from the standpoint that, listen, we don't really know what to expect from Florida State in this game. To a certain extent, we don't really know who's even playing for the Seminoles. But it does create an opportunity to sort of free yourself up at practice and say, okay, well, the best way to prepare for an opponent when you don't know what you're going to see is go out and produce the best competition you can during practice. And it seems like that's what, you know, George has been, you know, pretty intent on doing. And that's obviously, you know, continued here uh, in South Florida since the team has arrived. In fact, some of the things you'll see on the screen today as we're doing the show is some of those images from Georgia practice yesterday. We had Dog Nation folks on hand for that. Mike Griffith, Connor Riley were there. Our buddy Cody Chaffins, who uh, helps us out, he was there as well. And so you'll see some of those images as Georgia continues those preparations for Florida State. But on the flip side of that, you also heard Kirby Smart kind of put his own spin on who is and isn't playing for Georgia. And as I said before, Georgia is very careful about how it talks about this kind of thing. Georgia doesn't have opt-outs, but it does have some injured players. And those injured players won't be available for UGA. And we are in the process, I think, now of kind of figuring out, okay, well, exactly what does that look like from a roster standpoint? Exactly who will Georgia have available to them? And you start to consider the idea that, a Georgia team that was indeed very banged up near the end of the season. Obviously, one of the things that caused some trouble for Georgia against Alabama was the lack of a fully healthy roster that some of that also lingers uh, for Georgia as he gets ready to play against Florida State there as well. And perhaps one of the most important names on all of that is the, I think it's safe to now call him a legend, the legendary tight end Brock Bowers, who we believe is putting a cap now on his Georgia career, courageously trying to come back from uh, the tightrope ankle surgery. We saw him play in that final home game against Ole Miss. We saw him give it a go there against Tennessee. And perhaps after that, Bowers was never quite as healthy again the remainder of the season. Did not play against Georgia Tech. He was not certainly fully healthy against Alabama. And that's the idea, what Kirby Smart was saying there a moment ago, some of those injuries that are lingering for UGA. In fact, when that team plane arrived and Kirby Smart stepped off and spoke, a couple of the guys that were not seen Guys like Amarius Mims, guys 
like Brock Bowers. And we're left to conclude, well, Brock could obviously still join the team later than that initial arrival. Does that mean that he might be able to play in this game coming up on Saturday? Going back to Wednesday, we had a chance to hear from Georgia tight ends coach Todd Hartley. He talked about the kind of unknown status for uh, what's going on with Brock Bowers right now, but also a reflection of just how courageous Brock has chosen to be and been able to be for Georgia all season long. Let me keep this conversation going by letting you hear a little bit from Todd Hartley going back to Wednesday on the status for Bowers in this game and the career that he's put together for UGA. We don't know. His status is still unsure. You know, he's still battling that ankle injury that's been nagging him, it seems like, forever now. You know, and he, uh, he's he been great in his rehab. Um, I hope he makes it. I don't know if he will. It's still, still something that we're up in the air on, waiting to see. But he... Um, He's been great to support of his teammates throughout the prep ever since the, you know, ever since the Alabama game. So we'll see. If there's, what a, there's a chance if he doesn't play, he can join you all to the sideline. Uh, I, I don't know that yet. I think he, he's just focused on getting that ankle 100. You know, and, and if he gets 100, then I think he's going to try to do everything he can to, to help us. And if he doesn't, then he'll be there to support his teammates. So it's still the good thing about. Right now, we still got a couple of days until we play, so I know he's battling hard. So we'll see what happens. I mean, he's a guy after the, the injury could have gone after yeah. SEC chip could be could be somewhere at a combine training after Vanderbilt. Right, he could have went somewhere. He didn't have to come back. What okay? does that say about him? It, I think people that are around us a lot know what type of person Brock is, right? You know what type of competitor Brock is, and I think it just shows how much he loves his teammates, right? It shows how much he loves his coaching staff. And it shows how much he loves George, man. He, he is – y'all have asked me a lot of questions about Brock before and just how much of a competitor he is. Like, he loves to compete. He is the ultimate competitor. And so the fact that he came back in what was it, like three weeks, it was, it was unbelievable that, that he came back from that ankle injury, that surgery, came back and, and played at a really high level against Ole Miss just shows how much he wanted to keep playing for, again, his teammates, his coaches, and, and this university. I think what you hear from Todd Harley there is a little bit about what this week is about for Georgia. Some of this is figuring out, okay, what it's going to look like for this team on the field on Saturday. Some of this is how do you get excited about what's going to happen in 2024 based on what you will see. But there's also, just to be frank here, an element of nostalgia in the air. Georgia's back in the spot where it was two years ago. Uh, when it beat Michigan to win its first national championship under Kirby Smart. And, you know, guys like Brock Bowers that factored so prominently in that. We believe one way or another their time at Georgia is coming to an end. So Coach Hartley there, kind enough to kind of reflect on what has made Brock special, the competitive fire that Brock has shown, and the, uh, you know, the energy around all of that. And, you know, talking to guys like Kendall Milton and others a little earlier, you know, that same sort of nostalgic sense has also been kind of a prominent factor in all of this of, reflecting on the fact that for a lot of these Georgia guys who are perhaps getting ready to play their last football game or step away from this team for the last time, they are leaving incredible legacies in place at Georgia, and no one stands any taller in that regard than Brock Bowers, who you heard Todd, Hart- who you heard Todd Hartley talking about right there. Now, in terms of who we, who we definitely know will be playing in this game coming up on Saturday, how about the strong words from Kamari Laster, who has a chance to be like a first-round pick and is among the very best players on this Georgia roster, but in terms of what he plans on doing, in terms on uh, in terms of the overall, uh, I guess, dedication to kind of finishing things off the right way and, and perhaps really solidifying exactly what the overall mindset is in place for Georgia, I think that Kamari Laster probably leaves you with a very hopeful tone in terms of exactly just how much these Georgia players still enjoy playing with each other, despite the fact that their season's not going to end in the kind of way they wanted it to with a chance to win the national championship. But in terms of saying the right things and in terms of demonstrating what makes Georgia special, perhaps no one did that this week so far, more so than Kamari Laster, who made it very clear in no uncertain terms that, of course, he plans on playing and he plans on going out leading these Georgia Bulldogs the same way he has all season long. Here's Kamari Laster on that. Honestly, I just say just for the love of my teammates and love of the game itself, you know, um, I always feel like if I'm able to play a football game, why would I not play? You know, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to, you know, go to school and play football. So, I mean, there's a game on the schedule. 
I feel like I'm obligated to play. I feel like, you know, I owe it to my teammates, I owe it to my coaches, I owe it to, you know, the fan bases, you know, just give them all. Hey, it's a young cornerback room, guys like Dalen, Julian coming back next year. What does this cornerback room have in it going forward with some of the guys that are projected to come back? Um, it's a very talented room. I mean, like you said, it's, it's a young room, but uh, at one point, you know, I was a young guy, so I mean, you know, it's the room's going to be young in order for to have veterans. You have to be young at some point. So, I mean, these guys are they're very talented, and all the guys in the room, they want to get better. Like, they, they, they listen to coaching, um, you know, they take their reps very seriously, you know what I mean? So, um, it's just it's just a matter of time. Mm -hmm. And then what have your early impressions been of Dante Williams? I know him coming in from USC, replacing Fran Brown. What have you sort of seen from him and gotten from him as a coach at this point? Um, you know, coach, uh, He's a really good coach. I mean, he, he knows his stuff he, and he really enjoys coaching. Like, you know, he comes in with great energy every day. Um, he's come in. I mean, obviously, he doesn't know everything in the playbook yet. I mean, he's only been there about a week or so, but, uh, he, you know, he wants to he wants to be able to help us any way he can. So, I mean, just he's doing everything he can to learn the playbook as fast as he can and be able to coach us to the best of his ability. Very, very good stuff from Kamari Laster. Also, some interesting things there at the end on what he's seen from some of these young defensive backs going through all of this the very first time. Georgia clearly getting a lot of energy from from guys who either haven't played as much during their Georgia career as they'd like or guys who are going through these practices the very first time. Interesting thoughts from that on Kamari Laster, but it's actually the beginning part of that clip that Georgia fans rally around. Kamari letting it be known that, of course, he wants to play. Of course, he wants to lead his team to victory. That's one of the things that has made Georgia special. Georgia saying all the right things here as it, with as many available players as possible, gets ready to play a game against Florida State to put forth the best performance possible. Kamari Laster clearly trying to lead the way there on all of that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Merriweather and Tharp. We're going to bring Mike Griffith on, get ready to have Mike here and get his thoughts on what he's seen thus far from South Florida. But as we do, I'll say a big thanks to our friends at Merriweather and Tharp for making today's show possible. Whether we're back home in our studio or on the road, your source for Georgia divorce, longtime friends of ours, great supporters of the Dog Nation community, and a tremendous resource for you in what could be one of the most challenging situations you'll ever go through. That's the divorce process. It can be scary and confusing, but our friends at Merriweather and Tharp are doing everything they can to take some of the anxiety out of that by offering you a lot of cost certainty in terms of how that divorce process is going to play out. And as you've heard me talk about, when you go to their website, georgiadivorceteam.com, that's georgiadivorceteam.com, you can see the entire range of options, everything from like a DIY option all the way up to the sort of traditional full-service uh, representation if you feel like you've got kind of a situation-specific, complicated story. Uh, Meriwether and Tharp can kind of walk you through that in a traditional way. But if you want their model M&T brand of service, which can include like a monthly subscription uh, as you're going through the divorce process or kind of a flat rate fee if you would uh, prefer to kind of take care of it that way, Meriwether and Tharp understands that one of the hardest parts about people who kind of view divorce as the obvious next step for them is that certainty of cost in terms of how you actually get through all of that and so that's what they want to provide and for a long time they've been doing that for folks in the atlanta area but now they're expanding their offerings out to branches and offices all throughout the state savannah coming soon in athens and some really fun things uh all across the state in terms of helping out people who might be facing a very very challenging set of circumstances that's what meriwether and tharp is all about your source for georgia divorce so find them online GeorgiaDivorceTeam.com. That's GeorgiaDivorceTeam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. I'm bringing on Mike Griffith here, and uh, we'll get ready to talk to Mike about everything that he has heard thus far from Miami and South Florida. Georgia getting ready for Florida State. Uh, when you go to the Dog Nation YouTube page, you'll see some of the interviews that Mike was able to do a uh, moment ago with Georgia quarterback Carson Beck, who we can now say still in the present tense, Georgia quarterback Carson Beck. Coming back for 2024, Mike Bobo on hand there as well. And I guess, Mike, let me start with that here a little bit. For people who haven't had a chance to go to our Dog Nation YouTube page as of yet, these interviews just getting posted, did have a chance to have a wide-ranging conversation with Mike Bobo a moment ago. What were some of the things that you heard from Georgia's offensive coordinator here, both looking back on the season that was and perhaps looking ahead to what the next couple of days are going to be like? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a great opportunity for Georgia to finish on a high note, and Coach Bobo certainly wants to finish on a high note, too. He didn't say it, but I kind of thought it. Todd Munkin scored 24 against Alabama and lost the first time. He got a second chance. Mike Bobo didn't. Mm -hmm. And so here Georgia is now, you know, trying to win the Orange Bowl against an undefeated 
Florida State team. This would be the third year in four years that Georgia has beaten an undefeated team in the postseason. I don't know yeah, it's a good how number. many other teams have really yeah. done that. But, you know, I think Bobo was dialed in a lot on talk about Carson Beck and the guys that are here wanting to see these guys go out with really strong games. I heard you mention Kendall Milton, likely headed to the NFL. You wonder about some of these other players. Uh, will Ladd McConkey or Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint, certainly Brock Bauer is a very special guy. I asked him to compare him to Trey McBride, who he recruited at Colorado State, and now lighting it up for the Cardinals. And he said, boy, I don't even know if Trey McBride compares to Brock Bauer. So certainly a dynamic comparison there uh, from Mike Bobo. Yeah, it, to me, it's what's interesting is the way in which there's kind of a confluence of several different talking points. On the one hand, there's obviously a game to, for Georgia to get ready for you know, this upcoming Saturday. There's also the look back on what a special run it's been. You know, the, the, the first national champion under Kirby Smart, a lot of ways kind of started here with this Orange Bowl win against you know Michigan just a couple of years ago in this same spot where we're standing. So there's a little bit of nostalgia in the air right now as a lot of these Georgia players who've contributed to those national championships perhaps see their careers come to an end. And then there's also the thing that we're interested in, that the Georgia coaches and players don't want to do quite as much, which is tell me about 2024. Tell me about next year. Tell me what the team's going to look like next year and how you're laying the groundwork for all of that here right now, that it's just one of those things where – there's kind of three different conversations, I think, going on at the same time. There's the look back on what was. There's the mysterious attempt to sort of figure out what's going to happen here this week with two teams that are in sort of various stages of disrepair. And there's obviously the, the, the hope to look ahead. It's kind of interesting to watch all those conversations, I think, sort of take place somewhat simultaneously. Yeah, bowl games are always kind of their own season, and you never really know what to expect. And, of course, this Georgia team has been shorthanded more times than not throughout this year, whether it was – uh, Lad McConkey missing the first four games, or Brock Bowers missing a couple games, coming back at less than 100%. Dejon Edwards missing the first two games. Kendall Melton with a little bit of in and out. Right tackle with Amarius Mims and his injuries. You lost your All American middle linebacker halfway through the year. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, Brandon. You know, the overriding thing for me, this listening is this you know, look, every team has adversity, and Georgia's had it all year long. The fact that Florida State has had a little bit of adversity and, and we're still hearing about it three weeks later, it's, at some point you just you just want to say, just somebody just stop. Just go play the game. You have a chance to make a statement, and you're making one, but it's not the right one. Georgia, on the other hand, is making the statement that, hey, got left out, felt like they belonged in, had won 29 games in a row, never seen a number one team fall out of the top four much less with a three-point loss. And Steve, when Steve Spurrier's making the case for Georgia being, you know, it's got to be pretty extreme, but that's what happened a couple weeks ago. And yet you see Georgia showing up here in force. You see guys that are going to be going to the NFL, and they're talking about playing in this game, you know, potential first-round draft picks. And even though it didn't end the way they wanted, that's the difference between a program that knows how to handle adversity and win championships and a program that still doesn't know how to win champions, national championships or handle adversity. I want to move into Around the Doghouse, presented today by our friends at ServPro, and I want to talk about Florida State a little bit as we do. Um, I haven't really gotten a chance to hear too much from the Tallahassee side on all of this, but there is a very weird cloud hanging over Florida State, and I say that pun intended with the clouds that are actually <laughs> in the sky in uh, South Florida behind us here right now. Um, you know, We've endured a lot of change in college sports the last couple of years, but I think what Florida State is attempting to do right now, I think ushers in an era – potentially anyway, that's unlike anything that we've seen. Mike, in sort of your travels here this week and people that you've talked to, kind of the Florida State side of all of this, how much discussion has there been about the fact that as Florida State prepares to play in this game in some form or fashion on Saturday, they are also preparing to exit the the ACC in quite unorthodox fashion, using any legal maneuvering possibly available to them to do so, and the incredible ramifications that could come from that. I, I know that people have a tendency to kind of sort of gloss over and kind of roll their eyes back in their head about all of this sort of you know boardroom talk and legalese type talk, and everything sort of feels sometimes like it's a little bit hard to understand. But this to me is a really big deal, that, that, that Florida State's attempt to implode the ACC as a way of getting a better financial deal for them. I understand why they want to do it. My gosh, you want to talk about, you know, reverberations and, and uh, you know, kind of, uh, I, I guess, unintended consequences perhaps for others on the outside of all this. There's a lot of shrapnel to go around if Florida State does succeed in doing this. How much talk has there been about that here this week with the Seminoles? You know, really not as much here as there probably is behind the scenes. I, I don't sense a very strong Florida State presence. Their fans have kind of 
uh, fragmented around, something Georgia hasn't done. I have seen a lot of Georgia people down mm-hmm. here. I've seen a lot of Georgia fans saying, hey, you know, they're proud of the way this team is handling the adversity and the way these guys are going at it. And the culture that Kirby Smart's built is being tested. I mean, anybody can have a, a stiff upper lip and say the right things when you're winning, but things didn't go Georgia's way, and yet it's still the same Georgia program in there. It's still the same camaraderie. I mean, I guess the example, it's, it's two disappointed programs. There's no doubt about it. The, the difference is, you know, the, the parent of one program, you know, leads the child out of the supermarket quickly, and the other one is laying down in the middle of the aisle screaming and crying and, and throwing their hands in the air. And it's just the Florida State deal has gotten, um, it's gotten really hard to watch and, and digest. You just kind of want to get to the game and see these teams play. And, and I feel bad for the Florida State players because the players that are here are not the issue, obviously. Um, it's the overriding culture, as you said, and what it's done. As far as the ACC's future, I, I don't think it's going to help George against Clemson. I think they're still going to play a really good Clemson team at the start of next year in Atlanta. Now, eventually that may catch up to the league, Brandon, but I don't think it's going to have an immediate effect as far as Georgia or the SEC is concerned. Something else that you say that kind of comes to my mind here a little bit is, is that, and I mentioned this before you joined us, which is obviously the way in which Florida State and Georgia have talked about their player absences have been completely different. At Florida State, we've had the sort of official opt-out, the social media graphic, the thanks, Noel Nation, or, you know, whatever, whatever is sort of, you know, is kind of customary when it comes to those kind of graphics. We sort of officially know who's not playing for Florida State, and those are called opt-outs. In the case of Georgia, it's more along the lines of injuries and things like that. But ultimately, I think the actual impact on the game may be somewhat similar. I mean, I don't expect Brock Bowers to play in this game. I don't expect Ladd McConkie to play in this game. Obviously, Carson Beck is playing. Kamari Laster says he's playing. Kendall Milton has been very emphatic that he plans on playing. But the actual result on the field, or at least the actual, uh, I guess, presence on the field of available players, I don't know that it's going to be all that different for Georgia than it is for Florida State, despite the fact that Georgia... I think is talking about this in a way that's more favorable than what Florida State's talking about. George is also going to be pretty shorthanded in this game, just to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, at least 20 guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you figure there's 18 guys in the portal and at least two guys that are injured. And, you know, we don't know about Ladd. I mean, Amarius Mims isn't here, so I, I'm guessing he's not going to play either. So, to your point, both of these teams are missing players. I mean, Georgia had, like I said, pretty key injury earlier this year to Jamon Dumas-Johnson, an All-American middle linebacker that you could point to and say could have been the difference between beating Alabama or not. And yet, you don't hear that talk. You don't hear those excuses. And the way the game is being portrayed, I'm with you, is, is a little bit inaccurate. Both teams have players missing. Yeah. Both teams have to deal with adversity. This wasn't either of these teams' first choice to be here. And yet one team is doing so much more with it. And then to your point about the look ahead to 2024, I think with all the players that are in the portal – we're kind of already seeing it. You know, what we're not seeing is we're not seeing Trevor Etienne. Yeah. We're not seeing uh, Colby Young. And obviously, uh, Humphreys is Humphreys get, is here, but he's not playing. Not right. going to play. Right. So we're not going to get to see those impact skill position players. But I think a lot of the young players on the front seven you're going to see. The secondary, I wonder about Brandon. I'm, I'm wondering a little bit about Tyke Smith and Javon Bullard, if this could be their farewell game. So I think that could be a little bit different next year. But a lot of what you're going to see next year, I think you're going to see this year. I think. Carson Beck, to me, and I've said this, this is the start of Carson Beck's Heisman Trophy campaign. People are going to talk about Carson Beck. He's going to have the national television audience to himself at 4 o'clock on Saturday. And a lot of fans who maybe don't normally turn the channel to watch Georgia during the season because they watch their favorite team, they're going to have an opportunity to see Carson Beck Live and, in per- live and in person or on, on stage. I want to talk to you more about Carson Beck in a moment. Let me remind folks, this is uh, obviously Around the Doghouse presented today by Serve Pro, and it's raining here right now, which means at home, wherever you may be living, or your commercial property, or your investment rental property, wherever else, uh, when you have water damage caused by rain getting in where it's not supposed to be, or you know, perhaps you got fire damage, something like that. Oftentimes that creates an incredible mess that needs to be cleaned up. And when you deal with a mess like that, you want it put back together like it never even happened. That's what the restoration specialists at ServPro are all about. Plus, each and every franchise, independently owned and operated, that means that when you do business with ServPro, you're doing business with a company and folks who have a vested interest in a positive outcome for you the same way you do it for yourself. So please find them online, ServPro.com. That's S-E-R-V, ServPro.com for a lot more on that. So you mentioned Carson Beck as Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Thart Rolls on here. You mentioned uh, Carson Beck, also had a chance to hear from him. Um, a lot of folks will see this on our Dog Nation YouTube page later on. But in terms of his decision to come back and 
the just the overall vibe for Carson as he looks ahead to one final go of a Georgia uniform in 2024. What did Carson Beck have to say today? I think Carson's pretty comfortable with the situation. Obviously, when you go through a period of negotiation or decision-making and your name is out front every day of what Carson Beck's going to do and Car- what Carson Beck wants, and that's a tough place to be at if you're a young football player. I know that free agency in the NFL, we, we don't think anything of it when free agents are out there looking for the best deal, and yet when a young guy does that at college – we're not used to this model yet. This is no different than what's happening with a lot of football players. It's just that he's the Georgia quarterback. He's a very visible figure. The sense I got was relief. This is a guy who's happy to be here, doesn't really want to, you know, he was asked by some other people. I didn't ask him about it because, frankly, I think this story's over, but he was asked by some other people about, you know, what did you ask for? What was the negotiation? Doesn't, doesn't want to get into those details, doesn't need to get into those details. He's here to play football now. The, the financial or whatever those incentives, that was not the priority. That was not the biggest factor. He's comfortable to be back with this team. He likes the fact that George is going to bring in players that are going to give him a have, have chance to be successful. Every quarterback needs that, Brandon. I think Carson is very comfortable. I think he's ready to lead. I think he's going to be very critical of himself this offseason. And I think you're going to see a better version of Carson Beck. And he was pretty doggone good this year. But I think next year you're going to see some really big numbers. All right, a couple uh, more things to go before we uh, say goodbye to you, Mike, because I know you've got a lot of stuff to do for uh, DogNation.com here today. We're going to roll through some news potential items here for a moment. Any thought here on some of those guys that perhaps could come back? Lad McConkey comes to mind. Marcus Rosemey Jackson comes to mind. Uh, Warren Brinson as your stack house. Uh, we did not hear from you know those guys when, when it comes to media availability this week. But you know, any thought here on some of those guys? Because technically, I believe there's only one player on Georgia's roster from this season that could not come back next season if he wanted to. Some of these guys, it's easy to assume they want. Obviously, guys like Brock Bowers. Other guys we know definitely are coming back, like Carson Beck. How about some of those tweener guys that maybe they will, maybe they won't, depending on draft status, depending on things like that. Any thought on where some of those decisions might be going right now? You know, it's really hard, you know, because you can see the logic going either way. I mean, I think we know right now that uh, I think Zion Logue has declared he's going to play in the East-West Shrine and Cedric Van Pran. Uh, I think the writing's on the wall for Kendall Milton. I think he's going to go pro. I think we're waiting to hear from Javon Bullard. I think we're waiting to hear from Tyke Smith. I think we're waiting to hear you mention Stackhouse. I haven't heard Stackhouse say anything yet. Could he use another year? To me, Lad McConkey is is the most pivotal figure. Mm-hmm. Because I look at Lad McConkey as, and this this may be a stretch, but I, I think if Lad were to get a thousand yard season, I think Lad McConkey could be a college football Hall of Fame player. Uh, he's got two national championships under his belt. I think if he got a thousand yards next year, I think he would be in the same breath with a lot of these Georgia heroes. And and Ladd is already a celebrated figure. That's the other thing. It's been it's been quite some time since I've seen a, a player from the state of Georgia uh, that's actually you know checked all the boxes. And uh, you know I, I mean the guy's already graduated. The guy's won a community service award. The guy's an All SEC player. He's a dynamic receiver. Uh, and the reason that I think there's a chance he comes back is because the injuries this year have affected his stock somewhat. Now, NFL teams know how good he is. Make no mistake about it. This is a guy who is going to start in the NFL, I believe. He's an NFL starter. I I compare him to McCaffrey in the open field. Not as strong as Christian yet, but the quickness is just on another level. It's another game speed. I'd like to see Ladd go in coming off of a healthy season and get full value, no lower than mid-second round. When guys come off of a season injured, though, sometimes they fall down in the draft. And then you watch him in the NFL. And I, and I said this the other day. Kenny McIntosh was a really good player, Jordan. He had over 1,000 yards. But an injury in training camp. And now he's in Seattle. And you wonder what goes through the mind of these players when they're the lonely rookie on the roster that's not playing. And they're looking back, seeing Georgia competing for a national championship. I would just hate to think that a guy like Ladd, who is so special and means so much to Kirby Smart, could have any sort of regret because – he has truly become one of the great Georgia players of recent history. You had a chance to see some of Georgia practice yesterday. Uh, you shared some of that video with us, but uh, what did you see from this team going through its paces here in South Florida? Well, Ladd was one of the guys I saw running out there. When Kirby said that Ladd was going to play, I said, is, is Kirby really saying that? But then I went out to practice, and, and there he was, and I just talked with Ladd. I said, well, how, how healthy are you? And he's like, well, I had a little bit of rest. He feels good. I want to see what Ladd does in this game. He's one of the players I want to watch. I want to see what Carson does. He's had a few weeks to prepare. You know, Kirby, 19 straight wins, Brandon, when he's had more than a week to prepare for a game. I mean, that's, it goes all the way back to the Texas Sugar Bowl. It's a pretty mm-hmm. remarkable streak. Uh, I want to see what this defense does. I'm going to be honest. This Florida State quarterback, he threw for 55 yards against Louisville. 
I don't know if you saw Louisville last night, but I think USC threw yeah. for, I don't know, they're still counting. They score again. I mean, so I, I want to see if, can, can Georgia get a shutout? Can Carson throw for 400? Can Kendall Milton and Dejan both go for over 100? I mean, it's a time to be greedy if you're Georgia. These guys have worked very hard. And as one of our weekly guests on Dog Nation Daily likes to say, Jake Fromm, we worked awful hard. Somebody's got to pay. That's what Jake Fromm used to say when he'd come off the field all sopping wet after practice. He'd say, somebody's got to pay. And somebody's got to pay for all the sacrifices and hard work that this Georgia program has put in and Florida straight, they drew the short end, they drew the short straw. And of course, last thing for you here, the other topic that's kind of out there is the fact that the transfer portal does remain open until January 4th. So, you know, there is still the possibility of some movement here. Um, When Mikhail Williams spoke the other day, uh, you know, he was asked the question about, you know, his possible involvement in the transfer portal. And he sort of sidestepped the question yeah. and the way in which, and folks can read the quote for themselves there at dognation.com, but the way in which he kind of sidestepped that question, essentially answering the same way that every Georgia player answers every question this week of keep the focus in the game, keep the focus in the game. But the fact that he didn't outright say transfer portal, heck no, I, I got no interest in that. The fact that he didn't say <laughs> emphatically, no, he's not going to go in the transfer portal did raise some eyebrows from some Georgia fans. What did you, I guess, react to that? And, you know, what's your kind of overall thought about the idea that, you know, for Georgia fans, they're going to have to kind of stay on pins and needles for a couple of more days on the other side of this game on Saturday about perhaps who, you know, could or perhaps could not choose to come back still for the 2024 season? It's interesting. I I wasn't, you know, the way this works different. We kind of float around to guys. So I wasn't there for that conversation. I was there for a story I did today about, you know, for, for people that didn't play football or people that don't understand, why does this game matter? Because anybody that's played knows it has to matter inherently when you cross the lines or you're going to get knocked on your tail. But So I asked, I asked him about it, and my question was, next year, if you're a projected top 10 draft pick, can you sit here and tell me right now that you're not going to opt out and you're going to play in whatever bowl game you're in? And he said, yeah, yeah, I can. Now, I, I didn't sense that that would be somewhere else. You know, we got into the topic of Georgia and the culture, and I didn't really get that feel, Brandon. I'm not saying it's not true or that yeah. it's not a possibility, but I, I do think that all these players have made a conscientious decision to wait until after the bowl to discuss any future plans. Mm. So I wouldn't read too much into it. I think he's a guy that's developed really well. Uh, I talked to him about Trevon Walker. You know, here's a guy that didn't even make first or maybe even second team all CC. And he was the number one pick in the draft. NFL teams recognize how Georgia does it and how Kirby does it. And you go somewhere else, I mean, you're, you're, you're trading in a pretty good hand if you leave the Georgia football roster where they produce all these NFL players and all these men that were in the, the same position groups that you were ahead of you that have gone on to have success. It's hard to imagine another program out there where you could develop yourself and be this proven coming out of college. Just as a quick follow-up to that, we'll let you go after this, Mike. You know, I think it's worth our audience's time. I know it's like a couple of days after Christmas, people are still sort of figuring out. This is that week of the year when you don't really know what day it is. It's like <laughs> post-Christmas, pre-New Year's. Everybody just sort of stumbles around yeah. in a stupor the entire time. But get your game face on at least enough to go back and watch some of what Glenn Schumann had to say the other day, some of what Jalen Walker had to say, what Mikhail Williams you know, had to say in, in total there on the Dog Nation YouTube page. Because I actually thought the theme of that particular day, today was a little bit more geared around the offense. The other day, a little bit more geared around the Georgia defense. And I thought what Schumann had to say, what some of these key Georgia players had to say, about I think the desire, maybe the the really the obligation to be a little bit more dynamic next year defensively than what they were this year. I thought that was really very interesting. Now you can define that any way you want to. I've obviously been, you know, you know, pretty clear that I don't think the Georgia rushes the passer quite as well as I believe that it should. Twenty twenty one they did, and it's the greatest defense of all time. And, you know, when they don't quite have that, you know, level of pass rush, not quite the same level of result. But nonetheless, however you define what dynamic is, you know, how a guy like Jalen Walker gets used, Mikhail Williams, how he would be used next year, perhaps playing a little bit more of the outside linebacker position, which might be a home position for him. Um what Glenn Schumann had to say about that, I, I loved what the Georgia defensive guys talked about the other day because I think they pretty clearly have a mind towards whatever the step back was this year, however you want to statistically determine that or however you want to define that with words, whatever that step back was this year. I saw a group the other day that seems very intent on having that not be true in 2024. Well, they've had to work all year at it because they did drop off at the interior defensive tackle spot. I mean, 
you know, Jalen Carter is a big fix if you want to get some pressure up the middle. And they just didn't have that. And Kirby told us that in the spring that they would have to find some other ways. And, and they weren't able to do that adequately. I mean, there's still some other responsibilities. Like you don't see teams run wide on Georgia. Well, that's not by accident. Mm. There's a lot of responsibilities that these guys play. You don't see a lot of these underneath passes into the flats. It's because they do such a good job dropping a lot of these would be pass rushers into this match coverage. And, and Schumann went down, as you said. There's an incredible video where Glenn's breaking all that down for you, explaining why these numbers weren't where they were and, and all the things that go into Georgia defense. It's not just lining up 11 guys and saying, sick them. I mean, they really try to cover all these bases and be a team that doesn't break off in responsibility. You don't see many broken plays. We did against Alabama on first and 20 from the 28th. That was a freshman. But you very rarely see that with Georgia. So I'm with you. I think this is something they've been working at all year long trying to solve and I think certainly they're going to try to address the defensive tackle position which is why it's important for Warren Brinson to come back which I think he will possibly Nazir Stackhouse come back which I also think he will we know Logue is leaving but if you get those two guys back and, and then big baby Jordan Hall another guy on the come up as well right is, I'm not sure Christian Miller is he here I think that's another guy we're yeah. looking at I, and really they, one of the most important I think guys for development and, this and, year probably is Miller and, and Xavier McLeod mm-hmm. the, the new recent transfer from South Carolina so Georgia make no mistake about it Kirby recognizes that better than anyone that those interior defensive pieces mean so much because everything flows from there yeah, no, I think it's exactly right. Mike, good stuff. Thanks Great for being stuff. here today. Appreciate Look it, forward to reading a whole lot more from yeah. there at DogNation.com. Maybe we'll catch up again before the week is done. That's the deal. Good Appreciate stuff it. there. Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And to kind of recap some of this here a little bit, I think the point that Mike's making there at the end is incredibly important, is that if you want to make what's happening this week be about getting ready for next year, I think one of the most important offseason conversations that Georgia is going to have is going to be related to how do you make this be a great defensive line again? Now that does not mean you got to go out and find your Jalen Carter because the truth is there aren't a lot of Jalen Carters. You know, a you know a potential number one overall pick type guy, top ten pick type guy. You know, playing in the interior of the defensive line. That's not the kind of thing you're going to have. There's a reason they call those generational talents because they sort of only come around once per generation. Uh, at least you know <laughs> based on the most specific definition of the term. You know, in in keeping with that, you know, you think about 2021 when Georgia would have had four first round picks playing on that defensive line. Not an easy thing to be able to do right there. So you don't quite necessarily have to have that level of first-round talent overall. You may never have that in this program at the same time again. But can you get back to the overall stellar results? Can you get back to stellar performance again? And I think that is something that Georgia can very possibly do. But it's going to require some combination of veteran players like a Brinson or a Stackhouse possibly coming back. Mike mentioned the name Christian Miller. To me, Miller's one of the most important players in this program over the course of the offseason, the development he shows. I'd put Jordan Hall in that category. I'd put Jamal Jarrett in that category. Of these young defensive linemen, a Jarrett, a Miller, a Hall, who emerges from that group? A McLeod coming in as a transfer, someone who perhaps because of SEC experience steps in ready-made, ready to go right away in SEC play. Maybe a little bit of Joseph Jones and Johnny. Certainly he's turned some heads this week in terms of how he looks you know, kind of walking around, you know, maybe that's a guy that could also be a part of this conversation there as well. But pivotal, pivotal uh, that Georgia kind of gets back to being stellar along the defensive line again. That's going to be one of the most important offseason conversations to have. I'll also give you one more thought here on Mikhail Williams, and then we'll kind of move on and look at some of the other stuff happening around the SEC. I think it's important, though, for people who kind of saw that comment from Williams the other day, not exactly slamming the door shut on his future, I think there are a couple things to keep in mind here. A, I don't know how often in the future anyone is going to voluntarily diminish their negotiation leverage. I just don't know that they will. Whether there's an actual negotiation going on or not, I think that players, much like coaches, have sort of always kept their cards very close to the vest. You ask a coach during a press conference, are you considering taking so-and-so job? The comment is always, listen, I just want to keep the attention right here on these players. I'm happy doing what I'm doing right now, and we're trying to go out there and beat whoever. Coaches have a certain sort of coach-speaky way of answering things like that. I think the answer from Mikhail Williams the other day is going to kind of reflect the same sort of coach-speaky type stuff we've heard from coaches forever. I think the players are going to probably start speaking a lot like that in the future. But here's the important thing to keep in mind, because obviously if you're a Georgia fan, I believe you desperately want a guy like Mikhail Williams back here at Georgia next season, and you're perhaps you know uh, phenomenally intrigued by what it could look like if he's playing outside linebacker on a more regular basis and getting a chance to be a little bit more of an aggressive pass rusher. I don't believe that Georgia would have put 
Williams out there during that media availability because they have the choice of selecting which players to come out and speak. Selecting Mikael Williams, I believe, is a little bit of a nod in the direction of Georgia expects Mikael Williams to be back here on this team uh, again next season. They wouldn't have him speaking in a situation like this. They didn't think that was the case. Now, we also know that things can change wildly and dramatically in the last minute in this sort of transfer portal NIL age. I understand all of that. But just inside baseball, you know, kind of understanding how the sausage is made, Georgia has the choice of who it puts out there and makes available to the media. Putting a guy like Williams out there is obviously an indication they believe that he's a part of the future of the, this Georgia defense. That is something to keep in mind. Now, we're going to transition now here. We're live from South Florida. We'll go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me reset here for a little bit, and then we'll talk about some of the stuff happening around the SEC and around college football here right now. So we're doing the show from the kind of media headquarters. Technically, we're Fort Lauderdale, just where it sounds better to say. Miami, we're you know just a couple of miles from the where the actual stadium, where the game is going to be played. Earlier today, we had a chance to hear from Georgia offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, Georgia running backs coach Dale McGee, quarterback Carson Beck, Lad McConkey, Kendall Milton, Marcus Roseby Jackson, Cedric Von Prahn Granger. I think that's it. Uh, we had a chance to hear from a lot of these pivotal names from the Georgia offense. So obviously this happens just right before our show begins. So we don't have that for you on today's show. That's too tight of a turnaround. We'll have some of that for you on the show tomorrow. And you can go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and see a lot of this here right now as Georgia continues its preparations, getting ready for the Orange Bowl. We started today's show by talking about you know what has been said here thus far and the fact that Georgia, while it's obviously not playing the game it wants to be playing and it doesn't have the vibe around this game that it wishes existed, they're still saying all the right things, trying to do all the right things, and putting together the best possible preparation for this. And obviously you wouldn't expect anything less from Georgia, and that's so far what we've got. Now, as we cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, I will tell you that right here where I'm standing, I'm only, I don't know, a mile or two away from Port Everglades, which is one of the, the ports that Royal Caribbean sails out of on a daily basis, and just a few miles down the road from the Port of Miami, where I'll be in a few weeks as I get ready to get on Icon of the Seas here and enjoy a wonderful cruise vacation on the largest cruise ship ever constructed. I'm so excited about that. Cannot wait to be a part of that. And uh, obviously, you have a chance to do the same thing there as well. Our friend Jessica Slater, terrific travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean, because Royal Caribbean believes that a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation made even better when you have a great travel agent, which, by the way, comes to you at no additional cost, or when a great travel agent helps you plan it all. So Jessica Slater is our version of that. You see your phone number on the screen. You can give her a call there. You can also email her, Slater at dreamvacations.com. That's jslater at dreamvacations.com. And you can check out a website that Jessica's put together, royaldogs.com, because as the calendar turns to 2024, that means we're getting so much closer to our Dog Nation cruise for 2024. And royaldogs.com is the website you go to to find out more about that. Dogs, of course, spelled the way it's supposed to, D-A-W-G-S, royaldogs.com. All right, a couple of stories here just for a moment. First of all, uh, the Tennessee Vols getting ready for a bowl game against Iowa. We do know now that Tennessee quarterback Joe Milton has opted out of that game, and so it gives us a chance to see Nico Imaleva, which to me sort of speaks to, and I think I've actually even mentioned this before, but it sort of speaks to the overall resiliency of college football in that we obviously know the bowl games, the bowl system is not what it once was, and the whole vibe around a lot of these games is so much different. But the resiliency of college football is is that even as things change, things still sort of change in a way that makes everything really entertaining and really interesting. And, you know, for uh, SEC fans to see what Nico Imaleva looks like in this game uh, against Iowa, pretty fascinating. This is a guy that allegedly came to Tennessee on some big NIL deal, but I actually haven't seen a lot of Nico here this season. So seeing him start the bowl game, it sort of feels like if that's what the bowl era is sort of shifting to, a little bit of an early preview of the following season, I don't think there's necessarily all that much wrong with that necessarily. So that's one of the stories to sort of watch there. As far as bowl action today, as I'm talking to you right now, we're only a couple of minutes away from SMU and Boston College. By the way, two teams will be, I guess, at some point in time playing as ACC foes as the um, Mustangs get ready to join the ACC. But they'll play 11 a.m. today. you got Rutgers-Miami coming up later on this afternoon and a pair of top 25 matchups later on today with uh, North Carolina State and Kansas State and then Arizona and Oklahoma, future SEC team, uh, Oklahoma, getting ready to take on 
what has been kind of a surprisingly, pleasantly surprising Arizona team here this season. So that's bowl action for around the rest of college football. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. We're also right here near the uh, Fort Lauderdale Airport. Kind of reminds me of the old days of, like, if you grew up watching, like, the Braves on TBS and they're at Shea Stadium right there in the flight path for JFK. We're just continually just buzzed by airplanes the entire time. We've got some of that going on for us here today there as well. A couple of quick shout-outs before we get ready to wrap things up here. And don't forget, we'll be back here live tomorrow. Same basic format, looking at uh, some of the things that are happening as Georgia coaches and players kind of file through our hotel here, getting a chance to hear from them. We will hear from Kirby Smart tomorrow. And, of course, Florida State coach Mike Norvell as well, right before our show began. So all of that kind of going on there. Let me also give a shout-out to our friends in Cartersville, Georgia. And, of course, you can start 2024 off with something fun. Cartersville Bartow's got everything for you that you need, from cuisine to events, attractions, a whole lot more. Plan a winter break getaway for a, uh, or just a fun weekend right now. You can go to visitcartersvillega.org for more on that. That's visitcartersvillega.org for more on that all right let's give you a couple of golden shoes as we get ready to say goodbye to you here today we had some very fun sort of christmas themed golden shoes i want to give you a few of those here right now starting with our buddy mad dog who and i got this meme so much i i I couldn't put everybody who sent this to me here today but the very funny in light of trevor at the end who you know flips to georgia on christmas and everybody's having a good time with that the very funny meme if you're watching on video you see this of the kid getting the trevor at the end jersey the florida fan and being so sad about that, Mad Dog and others sent that to me. One of the best memes we've seen there in a while. Hilarious stuff indeed. And a, a great golden shoe going out to all who sent that to us here this week. Also moving on here, our buddy Bill Sanders also sent out a Merry Christmas-themed Dog Nation uh, graphic to us there as well. And I hope all of Dog Nation enjoyed a very Merry Christmas indeed. Uh, that is great stuff. Bill, we'll give you a golden shoe for that here today. Um, also... <laughs> In light of what happened almost exactly a year ago, uh, Mr. Hurley on Twitter sent, uh, you know, the classic Christmas song, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. We see Marvin Harrison Jr. being the grandma. We see Javon Bullard being the uh, reindeer. Truly a great throwback to a year ago and a great thing to do in honor of this uh, Christmas season. By the way, Bullard perhaps maybe getting ready to suit up for the Georgia Bulldogs for the last time. Marvin Harrison Jr. status for his bowl game still uncertain here right now for Ohio State. We're obviously watching that when it comes to a lot of these star players. And then our buddy Frankie Fibonacci, who we hope to see, by the way, here in South Florida. He says he's going to come by and see us at some point in time, maybe at the stadium there on Saturday. He sent a nice message, a fun graphic. Breaking news, Santa Claus has just committed to Georgia. So very funny stuff and fun stuff from Frank there on all of that. Uh, Great, great, great golden shoes to uh, kind of celebrate the transition from Christmas to a look ahead to the new year with bowl week in between. Obviously, the lousy, stinking Gators, they don't have any of that to enjoy. I don't know the number. I don't have it in front of me, but we do know the Gator Hater Updater keeps on going and keeps on climbing. We love that each and every day. And we appreciate all of you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to seeing you all back here again tomorrow.